Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 12. Hi, this is William D. Parker. I'd like to welcome you to Principal Matters Podcast, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week I share with you leadership strategies, insights from other leaders, and practical tips so that you can have the tools to achieve your own goals in school leadership. Thank you so much for joining me. If you have been listening regularly to these episodes, I just want to tell you, thank you so much. It's so fantastic to be able to grow together as a learning community. If you're brand new to these episodes, I'd just like to say welcome, and you can check out more resources for school leaders at my website, which is at williamdparker.com. There's a free subscription there where you can receive a free ebook called Eight Hats for School Leaders, tips on eight essential roles that all school leaders perform when they're serving their school community. In the past episodes, we've talked a lot about motivation, and we've been talking recently about just some practical tips and tools that you can use in your schools to improve your school community. And today I want to talk about an issue that I've dealt with for a long, long time because the majority of the years that I've served in school leadership have been as an assistant principal. The last three years I've been a site principal, but prior to that I was an assistant principal in two different districts and schools. And so I spent a lot of time uh, helping manage uh, the discipline in my school. And no doubt the job of a principal is to set the tone for the behavior in their schools, and discipline can often be one of the most difficult parts of a school leader's job. If you view school discipline simply as punishment, you'll often find yourself ineffective in changing behavior. But if you view school discipline as a way to measure, check, and coach behavior in your school, the results can often be more positive. Now, I'm going to talk today just about some specific ways that you can manage discipline in a short conversation I could talk about this for many episodes because I've spent so much time doing it. But let me start with a quick story. Toward the end of a school year, I had a meeting with one of my other school leaders in my building. We had had a situation with a student that involved some out-of-school discipline. Uh, It was a long-term discipline situation. And a couple of days after I had met with this student's parent, one of my colleagues came to me and said that the boy's mother had confided in her that in a prior situation that her child had been in trouble, she uh, felt like it was managed in a way where she was treated um, as a part of the problem. And to my colleague, she said that in this situation, she was very pleased. And I'll just quote this uh, colleague who said, the mother told her, I have never been treated with so much dignity. Now, that statement actually caught me off guard. I'm not used to parents following up with compliments after their child has been removed from our school setting. But I began to think back to that whole discipline scenario. And as I thought of it, I tried to think of how did I treat them in a way that they felt like they were being treated with dignity. In fact, I asked myself, how would I have been have felt had the tables been turned and I was sitting on the other side of that desk So with that in mind, I began to think about what are some of the um, basic things that happen within discipline that will help parents feel like they're being treated with dignity, even when you are handing out discipline that is very difficult. So here are 
some that I want to share with you today. In fact, I want to share with you um, eight specific things that you can do to create a, an environment of dignity with your discipline. Number one, set high expectations. Before school begins every year, we hold a freshman orientation with parents and students, and it gives us an opportunity to welcome them and explain what our expectations are for them in high school. We introduce them to our leadership team, to our sponsors, to representatives from other organizations in the school. And this is a great way to set the tone for what the expectations are going to be for the rest of the school year. After school begins, we set up meetings through all of our English classes so that we can meet in classroom settings with every student in the school and go through our student handbook and talk about expectations for the year. By the end of this session, we have had face-to-face interaction with every kid in our school. Now, we're a school of almost 800 students, and so for some of you in larger schools, that sounds easy. For some of you in smaller schools, that sounds overwhelming. We have done a combination of classroom visits and assemblies, but in either situation, we try to be as specific as we can and clear as we can as to what our expectations are, because setting the expectations first is so important. So number two, set high expectations. I'm sorry, that was number one. Number two is this, let the consequences fit the infraction. In addition to telling what is expected in your behavior through your handbooks, you have to decide ahead of time what consequences will meet the infractions, things like skipping or tardies or disruptive behavior or more serious things like under-influence or weapon possessions. As the infractions increase and the threat to school or student safety, so should your discipline actions increase. Because there's no way you can ever send a message that your school is safe if the largest threats to your school safety are handled in ways that are considered to be minimum consequences. For instance, any student who commits an act in our school that is either criminal or violent can expect that they will be removed from our school setting, whether temporarily or permanently. On the other hand, a student who's late to class is going to be disciplined appropriately with a detention or something that reminds them that they need to be on time because they are, uh, they're, they're, damaging their own time in class and their teachers, but this isn't an overwhelming situation. The bottom line is this. Use common sense and set make sure that your discipline consequences match the infractions. Number three, be consistent. One of the worst lessons that you can teach your school community is that there are no consequences for wrong choices. So when you decide ahead of time what are the common discipline actions for an offense, it makes it a lot easier if you assign them consistently from student to student. That doesn't mean there's going to be times where you're not creative. Maybe there's a kid whose parents don't drive, and so putting them on a lunchtime discipline assignment is going to be easier than an after-school discipline assignment. But remaining firm and fair and consistent is the best way to create an atmosphere where people feel safe. Number four, be creative when necessary. Occasionally, I work with students who may not have all the same resources as other kids, Uh, I mean, just like I mentioned earlier, maybe some of them don't have a way home other than a bus. And thankfully, in our school, we've come up with other ways to discipline students that sometimes require after school or sometimes require discipline during school. We've also had students who elect to do things that give back to the school, like cleaning campuses or helping teachers. We do have options like in-school placement for students who are removed from their social setting. The point is this, being consistent doesn't always mean 
the same thing for every kid. That's not a contradiction from what I said earlier. It, you're still being consistent. You're still making sure that the, that the consequent matches the action or the, the infraction that the kid has displayed. But you're going to be creative in a way to make sure that the student learns a lesson and is disciplined, but you're not afraid to be creative when necessary, making sure that there's equal time choices for kids so that you're supporting them and making sure that they learn how important their actions are. Number five, be polite. I try to make it a habit to welcome students when I call them in my office, even when they're in trouble. I often will greet them with a handshake, ask them how they're doing, especially in situations where I know a student is going to be seriously disciplined. I make a special effort to make sure I deliver the news in a calm and a polite way. Occasionally, I will confront a situation where I need to speak in strong and clear tones to a student, but I try to ask myself how I would want to receive that same kind of talk if I was in their shoes. So I'm not saying that you can't be firm, and I'm not saying that sometimes you uh, you don't even get a little bit um, strict or that you speak sometimes even in a, in a way that's uh, firm, and some people might interpret it as mean. But what I'm saying is you've got to stay polite, even in situations where you have to be confrontational. Um, here's a funny side note. One time I was disciplining a girl in a way that was very polite, and I had to remove her cell phone privileges. And she was so angry at me that she went to the counselor after the meeting to complain. And the counselor asked her, well, what is your complaint? And she said that she felt like I was insensitive because I smiled while I was dealing with her. And she thought that I was somehow amused or making fun of her. So I guess sometimes it can backfire if you're being polite when you're disciplining kids. But I have to admit that I thought that was pretty funny. Number six, be specific. And document. When you administer discipline to a student, make sure that you document the incident. Uh, if it's not recorded, then it didn't happen. So when a student admits to a serious infraction, you need to put, have him or her put that in writing. And when discipline involves out-of-school placement, parents should be given documentation with signatures. Um, documentation serves a lot of purposes. It provides evidence that everything is being discussed and decided in regards to the situation. It provides you legal protection so that you can show you've not violated anyone's rights or their due process. And more importantly, it makes clear to all the parties exactly what's happened and what is expected for the student to be successful. Two more things. Number seven, serve and teach. Every situation can be an opportunity to serve and teach. Student discipline is an especially key time to try to assist parents and guardians in teaching them life lessons or how to deal with their children. And whether that's coaching a kid um, on how to raise his grades or connecting them with a good counselor or disciplining them so that they are um, doing the things they're supposed to be doing, your goal is to help them in the process to grow into a stronger person. The goal isn't necessarily punishment. The goal is discipline. It's to help them improve and help them to become better young adults. And number eight, communicate trust. Be honest with students. If they violated your trust, tell them you violated my trust. If they violated the trust of their parents, tell them that too. When there's a long-term pattern of doing what's right, you earn trust back. So it's important to communicate to them that I will trust you again when you have behaved in a way that's consistently in, um, that consistently shows me that I can trust you. I also try to let them know that I still like them. 
even though I'm holding them accountable or letting them suffer the consequences for their actions, my end goal for them is that someday I will see them walk across that stage and receive their diploma. And so it's important that even when I'm dealing with a situation where I'm enforcing a rule that sometimes has a very serious consequence, I want to make sure that they know that they can re-earn my trust and that 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 relationship uh, is still important. So let me wrap it up. Discipline is so much more than assigning consequences. It's so much more than just detentions or Saturday schools or in-school placements. Like a good classroom teacher, your discipline affects the relationships and the rapport that you have with your students. And it's the same thing with school-wide discipline. When students feel like you still like them as people, even when you're correcting them, they're so much more likely to work on improving their own behavior. And the same holds true in any relationship. When you show people dignity and respect, even when you disagree, um, then you can still grow together. It's my responsibility to model what I want to see in others. And if I want my students and my teachers to be showing dignity and respect to others, then it's my job to show it first. Student discipline is both an art and a science. It's not one or the other. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's also how you manage those lists of do and don'ts that will help you have an environment where kids feel safe and they feel corrected and they know how to improve their behavior. There's so much more that I could say about school discipline, but let me stop there today and ask you a few questions. What are some ways that you have learned to discipline with dignity that maybe I've not mentioned today? What are some ideas that you would add to this list? What are some new steps that we can take to see positive behaviors with our kids, with our students? I want to thank you for taking time to listen because what you do as a school leader is so important. And I love the opportunity to share with you each week and to give you insights and ideas of how you can improve your school leadership, just like I'm trying to learn to do in my school. Again, I'd like to invite you, if you haven't, to go to iTunes and rate this program. As you do it, it makes it more visible for people who may be looking for tips for school leadership. I'd like to invite you to check out my website at williamdparker.com. The next time that we talk together, we're going to talk a little bit more about the importance of keeping perspective in your leadership. And I want to tell you a few inspiring stories. So I hope you listen. I hope you have a fantastic day. Thanks for doing work that matters. I'll see you next time.